We want everything we want right now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to be inconvenienced. And we all say we ain't got time, right? We ain't got time. I ain't got time. I mean, a lot of us, if financially we could afford it, we would just have everybody come to our house to do everything. I mean, there's mechanics that actually come to your house and do stuff. You know, they'll come to your house and put a windshield in your car because we're so busy. Why are we so busy? When's the last time you got aggravated when somebody asked you to do something at church? You know, hey, we got a paint, we got a sweep. Heaven forbid somebody have a big old hole knocked in the roof. And we need some help. Huh? How many get aggravated? Like, oh, my God, they got something else tore up. I mean, really? How many hide what, what abilities you have from the church you go to? Because you're afraid you're going to wear you out. See, I know a lot about a lot of things and not a whole lot about anything. So, But how many of us do that? It all goes back in to the society we live in. We want it right now. We don't want to wait. How many times do we get upset driving down the road? Somebody whips over in front of us. And they really didn't whip over there close enough to do anything to you. But it's just act that how dare them whip over in front of that space I'm driving towards. How many of us have road rage? How many of us going to blame it all on idiot drivers? Mm-hmm. But again, it's us. Why are we controlled by the things around us? Why, why are we so upset? Why are we in such a hurry? Well, I'm in a hurry because I've got to do a lot of stuff. See, impatience is the new virtue. Impatience is productive. It means you get things done. Don't have to wait. You get it done now. Look at all this stuff I get done. The faster I get done, the quicker I get my money. Right? But again, it's patience. You know, it's kind of like I can remember the first ticket I got, and they said, well, why is he speeding? I was in a hurry. Why was you in a hurry? Because I was in a hurry. I mean, ain't anybody supposed to be in a hurry? I mean, I had to get to this girl's house or a friend's house. I don't even remember why, why I got a ticket besides it was speeding. But I'm sure it was something important. But flash forward again, I can remember the last speeding ticket I got. I was grown. Cop goes, why are you in a hurry? I'm stupid. <laughs> I mean, is 55 not fast enough? It's not. No, it's not. Especially when you, when you woke up and you're about an hour late, right? Yeah, ask Luke how fast he had to drive to work. When he wakes up an hour late and he already lives an hour from where he's supposed to go to work. There's no amount of speed that you're going to make up an hour. But that's the same way in our lives. Do we not do the same thing? And then we wonder why God does not do some of the things we do. We live openly and continually in sin. 
And a lot of it is done naively enough because we don't think about it. Because why? The world is so fast. I mean, everything happens so fast and it stacks up against you that you just you can't keep up with it until it's on top of you. And then by the time you think about it twice, you're tired, you go home, you sit down, and next thing you know, what, what happens when you sit down? Huh? How much thinking are you doing then? I don't know that I've had a dream. And if I have had a dream, it's been a bad one. So how much thinking are we doing? I mean, our lives are so busy, and we're consumed with so much chaos. And everything's got to be going so fast. I mean, well, you know, the reason I'm running late is because uh, the lady in Walmart didn't get me checked out fast enough. Well, now it's your fault because you didn't check yourself out fast enough. Right? I mean, we complain because we can't get checked out fast enough. They give you a register and say, well, check yourself out then. Then what do we do? We get mad because, well, I'm having to check myself out. Well, then go wait in that line with the other 400 people. I mean, they just tricked you in. I mean, 50 years ago, they didn't have it to cash registers anyway. Right? Find you somewhere else to go and quit complaining. What happened to the people of Egypt? What happened? They grumbled. They complained. God, he listened over and over and was long-suffering, was patient and and. and and loving and full of grace and full of mercy, but there is an end to it. You cannot continue to openly live in sin in your life and expect God to bless you and everything you do going and coming. No longer can you do it. It's never been that way, but now we live in a society where we think that this is what we have to do. This is acceptable. This is the new new, right? And it's not. We wonder why God doesn't work in our lives. It's because we're impatient. We don't want to work for anything. We don't want to wait for anything. We don't want to listen to anybody's opinion. We don't want advice. We don't want the preacher to tell us anything because now he's talking to me directly and he's done figured out what's going on in my life personally and he's done told somebody and here we are. Can I tell you, sin is not complicated. I have worked hundreds of maybe even close to thousands of people in 25 years. I've seen every kind of thing that could ever be done. I lived most of it. You know, me and Luke was talking the other day, and there's uh, somebody posted something on Facebook. Now, I don't do Facebook, um, and probably never will do a lot of it. But again, somebody posted on Facebook uh, something about being married. And uh, it was a young lady, which men think the same thing. It just happens to be this was a young lady. So, well, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm not marrying anybody before I shack up with them for at least a month because you don't know what they are until you shack up with them, right? How many of us said that? I did. I did it. But I've asked forgiveness. I'm telling you, that's not the way we need to be teaching. I mean, has it worked? Has the divorce rate went down? Because we do all the things that the world tells us to do? No, it hasn't. The only reason divorce rates went down is because people quit getting married. The one place it has went up, though, in the last ten years is the church. The church. This is all for the church. This is all for us to grow. All for us to learn how to deal with the things that we're, 
we're having to combat from day to day. Uh, number 14, uh, 20 through 25. It says, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and signs which I have did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and I have put and have put me to the test now these ten times, which it ends up at that point it was ten times, but it goes deeper and deeper, and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley tomorrow, turn and move on to the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So again... Everybody didn't make it. Why do we think today? Do we think because Jesus died and paid that price for our sin, do we think that covers everything? That we don't have to that we don't have to have a savior, that we can do it all ourselves, that we can continue to live and sin openly and God is not going to punish us. And then we ask ourselves, well, why God? Why God? Why God? Why, God? Why don't you look in the mirror and go, why, God? I wake up every morning, and I look in the mirror, and I think, one, that, you know, I am so thankful that my God is gracious. I'm so grateful that my God is merciful. I'm so grateful that he gave his son for my life. And I'm so thankful that I'm still able to repent. And I'm still able to to come before him and know that he is everything he says he is. That I have the mindset that I need to try to do everything I can to serve him. You know, one of the biggest things with impatience is you're a selfish person. You know, when I wake up in the morning... You know, I, I, some point, <laughs> my wife will tell you I'm not a morning person. I'm just another person that likes a bunch of questions. But I can tell you, how many of us wake up? I can tell you the first thing that I go is everybody get out of my way. Don't be around my sink. Don't be. I mean, I'm in a hurry. I don't know why I'm in a hurry because I can go to work whenever I want to go to work. Now, I mean, I have to work, but I don't have to be there at like six or seven on the dot. I'm not punching a clock. But everybody got to get out of my way. Don't be getting in the way of the shower. Don't be touching this. Don't be, get, get away from the toilet. You ain't fast enough. Get out the way. <laughs> then I'm driving to work and I'm like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Who gave you your driver's license? <laughs> well, it's the same person that gave me mine. And I'm not in a hurry. And so then I get to work and I start dealing with whoever I'm dealing with. And then I thought, well, how did you get a job? Why are we paying you again? Don't we pay you way too much for what you do? I mean, where, what, I mean, if I if I got to make all the decisions, I got to point my finger on everything. What do I need you for? 
And heaven forbid they make a mistake. Right? Then we come home. Man, we started all over again. We're like, why ain't supper cooked? I'm hungry. I can't eat past 7 o'clock because I got diverticulitis and, you know, my stomach messed up. I need to do this. I don't need to do that. And I got to have all this stuff, in which some of that is true. But I don't probably. I, the reason I don't need to eat at 7 o'clock is because it's not good. But, again, I could have stopped and got something. and I could be preparing supper and, instead of sitting in my chair watching TV before somebody gets home to cook my supper, right? That's kind of how that works. So there's all kind of things that we, if we really look at it, then we need to back up and we need to rethink what's going on in our lives. Before we can be truly combat some of the battles with patience, we've got to understand what God really wants for us, what God thinks of us. Romans 8.28 says, And we know... That all things work together for the good of those who love God. To those who are the called according to His purpose. We have to believe that. We have to know that. And I think a lot of times we, we know some things in theory. We know some things in word. We know some things uh, from somebody telling us. But we have to know it. We have to know it here. I mean, how many of us know? I mean, this day and time... You know, society is a lot more uh, social. Uh, and when I say so, so I'm not necessarily meaning they're all, everybody's friends, but we know a lot of people, right? Everybody knows a lot of people. And so I think sometimes we look at God in that same way. We know God, but we don't know Him. It's kind of like my son knowing somebody in West Morgan that he played football against, and he follows him on Snapchat, TikTok, Skipper Snap, Instagram. Insta spam, whatever it is, but he don't know him, but he knows him, right? So y'all all think that way from a certain age. Now some of y'all hip adults, which is not me, some of y'all hip adults, y'all think that way too, and you know y'all got bunches of friends and you know all these folks because Facebook says you do, but you really don't know them. You just know what they put on there for you to see. So again, I think a lot of times that's how we treat God. We know God. I mean, I can tell you, before I saved, I was raised in a church. I was a little, uh, I don't know what they call them. Pastor can probably say, the little, little kid wore the old white robe and lit the candles at the Methodist church. I don't know what they call them, altar boys. Or... Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, you know, I, I lit them candles and snuffed them out and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I was raised in church. So I knew God, but I didn't know God. I even had some folks tell me after I got saved and got called to preach that, well, you know, you was really saved back when, uh, back when you went to the Methodist church. You just don't realize it. Well, then how was I saved if I didn't realize it? I think we got a lot of folks in church today that are saved, but they're not saved. They know God, but they don't know God. If they knew God, then the Holy Spirit would be on them so bad just like he's on me. So bad for doing some of the things that we continue to do all because we love one another. All because of all the things that uh, is thrown up in our, in our lives. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of, of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook 
a transgression. Impatience will never get to this point. We'll never be able to overlook. I mean, it, it's the building block for so many bad things in our life. It's the building block for unforgiveness. Everything we do to one another, God stands there waiting. He's watching. And He shall and will do it to us. Remember, grace is freely given, not something you deserve. Overlook, forget, don't dwell. I mean, how many of us know what we deserve? I mean, I got a little bit of what I deserve. I got a boot. You know, got to spend a night or two or whatever in jail. Had to pay a bunch of money. But really, I still didn't get all that I deserve. Because the society we lived in let me buy my way out of most of it. How many of us got family members today that's buying their way out of it? How many families do we know that enable sin to run rampant in somebody's life? You know, I didn't raise my kids and say, well, boys will be boys. I tried to raise them the way the Bible told me to raise them. Now, I never said my kids weren't going to do this and that, you know, they weren't going to get in trouble, because they did. But they paid a price for it, too. I got away with lots of things and for a lot of years. Um, but again... Grace is freely given, not something we deserve. First Peter chapter two, verse nineteen, twenty four. It says, For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief uh, or suffering wrongfully. Now I want you to pay attention to this. For what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. So, I mean, naturally we're like, well, see, we don't have to do that. I mean, but you need to understand what's going on here. He says, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. There's the key there, example. I want you all to think about all the things that we go through. How bad, how good, how indifferent. I want you to understand the things that we go through. And I want you to understand when it, when it talks like, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Whose steps were we supposed to follow? His steps. So as bad as... As bad as we get it sometimes, and as bad as the things are, and trust me, when it's going on in my life, I think I'm the only one it's happening to. Heck, when I get carried to jail, and I know I wasn't the only one going to jail, I was going, oh my God, I'm the only one that's going to jail. God, if you'll do this right here, then I'll do this, this, and this. Well, he didn't do it. I still went to jail. But how many of us made those deals? When I got divorced, I was like, oh, my Lord, I'm the only one that's ever been through a divorce. <laughs> well, the world we live in is everywhere. I mean, it's commonplace now. Uh, but again, 
when we're in the middle of it, we think we're all alone. But remember who we're supposed to be following. Remember who suffered everything. But guess what? He did it all at one time. So I've had 52 years to get where I'm at and all the problems I got and all the problems I still create for myself, all the, the chaos, the anxiety, the stress, all that. I've had 52 years to do it. Jesus wiped it all out in a moment. Remember that example. It says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reveled, now I want us to pay close attention, when he was reveled, did not revel in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree, that we have, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Right? Think about it. What do we do when somebody comes to us? We go back at them. I mean, I've tried and tried to talk to folks. Your first step can never be anger. Never. Even if it is angry. It can never be. I mean, I know we're all weak. We, we live in a fallen world, and I know all these things come against us, but again, we strive every day to deal and to handle with love. We don't, we don't, we don't make two wrongs a right. Again, it's what we're called to do. The example that we're supposed to be of is of Jesus. 1 Peter uh, 4. Seven through eleven it says, "But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent, fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins." That's where patience comes in. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Remember what grumbling got us. What does it get us now? Does anybody listen to anybody grumbling? I mean, I know when I when I gripe at Denny's, you know what she does? She probably does the same thing that all y'all do. When I start yelling at her and griping and really bearing down, what's she do? I might as well be talking that door. She ain't heard nothing. I mean, every now and then she might be like, oh, you're going to make me mad. But for the most part, she ain't heard nothing that went at her. But most people are that way. When you complain, when you just keep bearing down on them. When's the last time you prayed for I mean, some of the times that Jenny's got me... <laughs> Put me in my place more than I. She's like, well, that's not very Christian. I mean, oh, what is that? You're very Christian. She goes, well, what do you think God would think? Well, sure, it made me mad. Then when I walked outside and got away from her so she wouldn't say nothing else, I really started thinking about it. I mean, we have that power. We serve a God that has created Everything we have. 
You got a child, guess what? You didn't do that. God did that. You got a car, guess what? God did everything. He wants to do everything for us. It's not about us. It's about Him. (coughs) In every aspect. It says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, you know, there's there's simple aspects of our life that the world just keeps complicating, that they just keep getting involved in. You know, all these things seem to be good. You know, I'm sure X amount of years ago that welfare was thought to be a good thing, right? I mean, we did it for the right reasons, but look what it's grown into. Look at all the government programs. You know, there's lots of things done for the right reasons, but they get out of control. We do a lot of things. With technology, there's a lot of great things that comes from technology. At some point, I may need a heart someday. Well, we have the technology that I might can have that. Or I might need a liver. Might need a kidney. Might need a, I don't know, an arm, a hand. I mean, there's great things that comes with technology, but there's great responsibility. Has Christianity grown at the same pace that society in the world has grown in the same direction. It hasn't. I mean, it still hasn't. I mean, you hear stories about different things, but again, I mean, I don't have really a profile on Facebook. Uh, and part of one of what I do, it's like a picture of a deer head, you know, one of the deers I killed years ago instead of my picture. But, you know, I can't even go on it without, you know, seeing three or four posts, and then they say it's because I ain't got a profile. You know, maybe. I don't know. I hadn't filled out everything. But I can go. I get more ads about, you know, 40-year-old women in uh, Russia and, you know, 30-year-old women in uh, Bahamas. And and I was like, well, maybe it's because I ain't filled it out. So I just don't mess with it that much. But then Luke was showing me the other day, and he goes, look at this. Well, I know he's filled out his profile. And he's, you know, kept his up. I mean, it was just straight up porn. I see it straight up. <laughs> I said, well, look what you do for that. He goes, I ain't done nothing. <laughs> but again, I mean, there's great responsibility comes with everything we do. There's great responsibility we have to our families. There's great responsibility we have with with each other at home. Before we even get out in the open, <coughs> you know, the father is supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be the spiritual leader. Right? How many fathers have been the spiritual leader? How many fathers are the spiritual leader? How many has a father? 
I mean, you know, there's things that's changed in this society that we live in. Some may have several fathers. I don't know. I mean, it seems to be more commonplace today. But even if you do, it's at, at the end of the day, you have to pick up right now. So today is the day that you start living the way the Lord would have you live. So if you're the man of the house, then be the man of the house. Be the spiritual leader. Guess what? Mamas ain't out, to care, out of it either. Mamas, you're supposed to run the household. You're supposed to take care of the home. Right? See, there's lots of debate now, you know, and it's been going on since um, women's lib and everything. Well, you know, women can do all these things better and greater, and, and some things they can. But that's what God's called you to be, is to be head of your household. Then be it. Right? While, while the husband's out, supposed to be working, taking care of you, then be the head of the household. Then be it. Spiritually, physically, and mentally. I mean, it takes a mother. It takes a father. God's called us to be what God's called us to be. And I can't help it that we got all the movements that say different. Movements don't have nothing to do with God's Word. You know, God's Word says it is what it is. You know where you stand. Sin is sin. Sin abounds where God's not. I mean, you can't keep muddying up God's Word with sin. Um, give you a comparison about the only the only person that, that we really need to be following. It says, if there is anyone who would have been justified in impatience and in irritation, it would have been Jesus. But he would simply not let himself be controlled by this. Rather, he was entrusted himself to the Father. Today, I'd like you to understand, we'll read one more verse, but I'd like you to understand the true meaning of what it's saying. It says, Psalms 46.10. And if you need encouragement and you need more understanding, it may behoove you to go back and read Psalms 46 from time to time. But verse 10 says, Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Won't you ask yourself, when you look at the things that are going on in your life, the things that you're having challenges with, do you accept one that you have the challenges? Do you also accept that the challenges you have, it may take a minute to get through those? I mean, take it from me. I mean, I've had anxiety. I still have anxiety. I don't talk about it a lot. And maybe I should talk about it more. You know, me and Jeannie had a discussion one night, and she's like, well, you just don't understand what it's... Well, yeah, I do understand. And maybe I should have been talking about it before. But yes, I understand. When the world comes closing in on you. And there's nowhere to go. I mean, I, I was... And it seemed like it would always happen with me when I would get on that plane. 
going to Dallas or going to California. And as soon as they close that door, everything goes. I mean, you own a pretty good sized jet, but it looks like it's about this big around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, that anxiety. That when we're having it, we're the only ones having it. Nobody else has it. And maybe that's part of our problem, but maybe that's part of our problem with a lot of things. If we don't discuss and we don't understand it, it takes a minute. Well, I mean, what was I going to do? I mean, they closed the door, we're taking off, and I couldn't breathe, my chest hurting. You know, I get tunnel vision. You know, you just, everything's right there. So what I do, I just pray and 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 pray. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot I could do. I guess I could have uh, tried to open the door and got the air marshal and then got tased and shot and been on the news or something. Uh, Some crazy whack job trying to blow up a plane. But, I mean, think about it. I mean, be still and know that I am God. Look at the things in our lives. Question the things that are in our lives. Question the things that, that we once thought were okay. According to the Bible, they're not okay. Nothing's changed. But ask God to work in your life. Ask God to make your path straight. Don't ask God to keep overlooking the stuff that you're doing. And that's what, you know, is is come to mind. I mean, it was kind of like when Luke and him was little playing uh, uh, nine, ten-year-old football. We played like a hundred games. They was wore out. They was the best. They done beat everybody. So we was playing. I mean, they had. They beat everybody. Playing for a county championship, they lost. Done beat the team that beat them, I don't know, two, two times at least. This was the third time. But, you know, when we got to the game that morning, I told the other coaches that was helping, I was like, there's no way they're going to win this. He's like, why? I said, they're burning. I said, they don't beat all these teams. There's nothing in it for them. They're just not. There's no way you're going to motivate them into doing anything. And they're just young enough that, you know what, they're tired. They're ready to play basketball. I mean, they don't play football so their heart's content. Had nothing in their mind to prove. It's just us grown-ups. We had lots to prove, you know, because living through us, living through the kids. So it was more about us than it was them. But I think sometimes as Christians, it's more about us instead of him, right? I mean, I think we, we, we forget what it is we're doing. We go through the motions. We, we say some things. We do some things. Or we just ignore it. And then when somebody points it out or somebody, because that's what we're called to do is, is to not only edify one another, but correct, right? I mean, that's something we don't like. I mean, like being told what to do. I don't. I, I'm learning. But that's part of being in the body of Christ is being corrected. Not only loving, but we correct because we do love. We correct because we don't want anybody to go through the things we went through. And not only that, we don't want people to get so far in bed with their sin that they pull away from God. Because there is a point where you can pull yourself away. Granted, it takes a while, but I want us this morning to understand to be still. Be patient. Be quiet. 
Just be still. Open your heart. Open your mind to listen to what God has for you to say. What He has for you to do. What, what He wants to work in your life. The things that you are involved in now, you think, well, maybe I can't get out of it. Maybe I can't get past it. Maybe I went too far. I mean, I went that, I thought that for a lot of years. That there was no way I could get past all the things that, that I got past. I, I was too mean. I didn't believe in God. I, I even said I didn't believe in God. But guess what? God knew what I believed. God had a plan for me then. I don't know completely what all was going on with that plan, but he still has a plan. And he's going to use it until he's ready for me to come home. But today, if you're here, and you think you're at a point in your life that there's, there's no sense in trying to change, there's no sense in trying to do anything different, then you're wrong. I urge you, and I promise you, if you'll stop, you'll open your mind, you'll open your heart, and let God work in it this morning. He can fix and correct whatever is going on in your life. But it takes you taking that first step. 